Hello out there, everybody. It's the Everyday Practical Dad podcast. You know, my daughter woke up this morning and she came downstairs like she does every morning and and she seems to do this every single day. It's like amazement at the world. Like she comes in downstairs and, you know, we, we turn the, the TV on while she has some milk and it's like, wow, everything's brand new. What an amazing joy to have a daughter um, and to have children. It never ceases to amaze me every single day. And it really centers me every single day to know that, you know, life is good. Uh, kids are great. And uh, she's just a joy. She's just a joy. So I wanted to start with that quick message today. But um, I want to talk about a couple things today uh, on the podcast. Uh, not too long. We'll keep it pretty brief. Uh, I know your time's valuable if you're choosing to listen to this. Really appreciate that. But I wanted to share a couple thoughts um, and a little bit about the Redskins today. Uh, uh, good stuff on the Redskins for you. Um, and then uh, a little bit about what's going on with the Trump administration in the media uh, today. A couple of quick topics. But I want to start with the Redskins because, um, you know, this is, this is something that I find fascinating. Um, uh, for those of you that are Redskins fans or follow the NFL, you uh, you've may have seen something on Twitter, uh, something called the hashtag fire Bruce Allen movement that is going on on Twitter right now. Truly unbelievable uh, that the fan base has sort of coalesced together uh, and uh, putting out their voice of frustration through a social media platform to express their frustration with the owner of the Redskins through the president of the team. You could argue it's vice versa, though. They are showing their frustration with the president of the team through the owner of the Redskins by expressing these feelings. And I have sort of a contrarian viewpoint on this. Um, as someone that's a Redskins fan from a distance, I don't live in the D.C. area. Uh, I was born in the D.C. area, but I, and I've been a lifelong Redskins fan. But I live in California, so I'm a remote fan. I'm a fan from afar. Nowadays, with the way social media and the internet is all connected, you can feel like you're right there in the, in the, the heart and the thick of things. You're connected on Twitter, you're connected on Instagram, Facebook, um, all sorts of social media platforms, as well as um, what you read on the internet, of course. Um, reporters are connected to the world now like they've never been before. So you can be a fan of any team anywhere in the United States, indeed anywhere in the world, and still get up-to-date information uh, whenever you want it. And I certainly follow that every single day. Uh, I follow everything with the Redskins related every single day. Uh, I follow uh, many of the Redskins beat reporters on Twitter, uh, John Kime from ESPN, J.P. Finley from NBC Sports Washington, uh, Burgundy blog. I listened to the Kevin Sheehan show podcast, big fan of Kevin Sheehan, um, Tom Lavero, um, Liz Clark, all of the folks that are back there in the, in the DC Metro market. And all of those folks I just listed do a great job. Tommy's got a little bit of a cynical point of view. So you have to take some things with a grain of salt, although I have a lot of respect for Tommy, uh, and, uh, what he does with the Washington times. And he's an outstanding writer, um, and outstanding sports reporter. So um, but anyway, 
uh, I, I follow all those folks and, um, and listen in and, and listen to what they're saying. And they really all have a very unified message. Some present it from a reporter's point of view. Um, you know, Liz Clark, J.P. Finley, John Kime, very objective, uh, even though they have some level of subjectivity inherent with them, because I'm sure they're fans of the team as well. But they report things in a way that's very objective. Um, and then there's some that don't. There's some that report things from a very biased, cynical, negative point of view. Um, and those folks, you know, those are those folks are very obvious to tell because you can just follow one of their timelines and their stories and you can see that they have a glass half empty picture and they are, you know, very negative and some never miss chances to take shots at the skins. Um, and, and, and honestly, some rightfully so, you know, uh, it's been a very frustrating, um, frustrating time to be a fan of the Redskins. You know, I was eight years old when the Redskins won the Super Bowl against Denver in the Doug Williams second quarter, the historic performance by Timmy Smith and, and Ricky Sanders and the entire Redskins team winning that Super Bowl. And I was uh, uh, just shy of being a teenager and after the 91 season when the Redskins uh, you know, decimated the Buffalo Bills in the Metrodome to win that Super Bowl and Mark Rippon's historic performance and arguably the greatest NFL team of all time, the 1991 Redskins. So I was a kid during those days, but those are great memories to have. And since that 91 season, there hasn't been really great memories to have. Outside of the, the Joe Gibbs return era, uh, Chris Cooley, um, Sean Taylor, Clinton Portis, uh, that team was a very fun team to watch as well, although not to the same level. Um, there was a, a little bit of magic with that team um, and it could have gone places. And there's been moments throughout sporadically since 91 where you've seen sparks of potential greatness. Marty Schottenheimer's season was uh, really his career with the Redskins really cut too short. Um, you know, the, the Brad Johnson quarterback to team where the last time they won a playoff game. Uh, there's been sparks, but nothing consistent. And um, what we have now with the Redskins is some level of consistency, ironically. We have a consistently average mediocre team when, in Washington. Um, and we have a consistently average and relatively mediocre head coach with a mediocre ability to draft players, with a mediocre ability to have a sustainable season. Seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven consistently. Now, we are nowhere near, as Redskins fans should know, the Redskins are nowhere near the depths of a team that was coached by Hugh Jackson called the Cleveland Browns a couple of years ago, where they literally won one game in two years. So I think my, 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 and my point in making all this is we have to be cautious about an, an overreaction to what's going on with the Redskins. We are fans of a team that is a for all intents and purposes, a private organization run by an owner that owns the team wholeheartedly himself. Um, so does he, does he need to care what fans think? Sure, he should care what fans think. However, he doesn't need it to operate his business. The way the NFL is run, they have a lot of guaranteed income anyway, a lot of guaranteed revenue anyway. So the fan support mechanisms via attendance, via um, you know, concessions purchases, via merchandise purchases, tickets, all of that. 
um, is the smaller part of the revenue for the Redskins. So it has, we play a, a bigger, or excuse me, a lesser role in the influence that we can have. And certainly a hashtag fire Bruce Allen movement on Twitter is really minor to Dan Snyder and the Washington Redskins. It just is. Do you think, and let's just think about this objectively for a second. You have a company called Apple. A man named Steve Jobs ran that company for many, many years. Invented things like the iPod, the iPhone, the iPad. He was a visionary. Do you think he cared what people thought? He created product for the people before they even knew they wanted the product. And then sold it to him, right? Same thing with other technological companies out there today. Think about Tesla. You know, Tesla, Elon Musk, he, he's creating a product that nobody knew they even needed yet. And, and there's going to be things that Tesla creates in the next decade to two decades to three decades that we don't even know we need yet because they're a visionary company with a visionary owner. And you can, you can go all the way down to someone like James Dyson, the man that's, that invented the bagless vacuum, for example, has created uh, vacuums that people didn't even know they needed. Now he's creating other technological products that he that people don't even know they need until they try it and use it. So there's these visionary companies that start companies, visionary people that start companies to create products they don't even need, right? In the NFL, you have an ownership that's designed to create a product on the field that people want to be successful. It's it's very of it's a very very unique situation for an NFL owner. There's no comparison. And they have to do what's right for their team because they own the team and they want their team to be successful. And if the t owner doesn't want the team to be successful, why do they own the team? So there's no motivation for that, right? So, cause, because if your team's not successful, you don't make money. You don't make as much money as you would make, right? So it's just basic common sense. Having said that, we are not there every single day at Redskins Park in Ashburn. We're not there. We don't know what goes on in those meetings. We don't know what goes on uh, in the coach's room, in the quarterback's room, in the defensive back's room. We don't know. The, the reporters, yes, they get to see what goes on in the press room. They get to see the practices. They get to hear things, and I'm sure people leak things to those people, but they're not even there. They're only hearing things through hearsay. So you, we don't really know the full situation that's going on there. We just don't know. Some of that's because they refuse to talk. Dan Snyder refuses to talk. Bruce Allen has lately refused to talk. And that could be a frustrating thing for a fan of a team like the Redskins. But it's their prerogative. It's their prerogative. So I think the question then becomes is, what the heck right do we have to say anything about how they run their organization? other than to look at what the product is on the field, because that is the results. That is the truth. That is what all the work goes into is the record, wins and losses. It's not our job to run that team. It's not our job as fans to manage that team. That's not what we're here for. And I think, and the, I think from a contrarian perspective to provide a devil's advocate point of view, the fire Bruce Allen movement is a fan saying, we know what's best for Dan Snyder and his team. They need to get rid of him, which is just really silly if you think about it. It just really is. And I think, and I think honest folks would say it's coming from a point of frustration because we don't know what else to do. And that's fair. And that's fair because he is seen as the master manipulator. He is viewed as someone that's 
the, the, someone that's pulling the strings, right, of the puppets. But we don't know for sure. We think that's true. We don't know that's true. And we don't know anything. It could be Dan Snyder. And I'll tell you right now, the direction of anger really should be at Dan Snyder. He's the owner of the team. The buck stops, stops with him, not Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen is expendable. Just like every single person on that team, because they, nobody owns that team but Dan Snyder. So I think it, sh it should be one where the fans need to just take a step back, look at it a little more objectively, not so heated, not so frustrated, and think about the big picture and realize it's not our job to run the team as fans. We don't do that. We support the team. We want the team to do well, but we need to recognize that however they want to run their team is how they want to run the team as long as the product on the field works. And what we've seen is a product on the field that is nowhere near the bottom of the league. It's nowhere near the top of the league. It's right in the middle. They are stuck in the middle. Just look at their first round draft picks the last few years. It'll give you everything you need to know to having the 14, 15, 16, 17th pick in the draft. Those are the teams that are stuck in the middle. And those are the teams that never seem to move forward and jump. Because even the teams that had poor seasons can jump forward the next year with high draft picks. Oakland Raiders, 20, 2019 draft. I think they have three first-round draft picks because of trades involving you know, Amari Cooper and, and just their poor performance this year, their poor record. You know They're going to have a heck of a draft opportunity coming up. So the NFL being a league designed for, you know, uh, to have some parity, so to speak, in the league where you have uh, teams that have bad years can easily rebound quickly. When you're an average team, you're stuck in average. It's very hard to rebound from that. Um, you have to work with what you have and you have to draft well. And if you look at results on the field, start with the draft picks recently. We all remember before the start of this year, this past season, people were really, really applauding the Redskins draft this past season. Remember? Remember Darius Geis? Remember Deron Payne and Sean Dion Hamilton and Jerron Christian and Greg Stroman and, and Trey Quinn? And, I mean, all of these draft picks that were largely seen as steals out there. And some of them played really, really well this year. But we forget about that when we talk about hashtag fire Bruce Allen because we only see red and we only see the negative. But we forget that there's been some very good draft picks really since the Shanahan's came in and, and really continued forward. There's been some very good draft picks that we've seen by the Redskins. There's been some busts. Don't get me wrong. Every team's had busts. And, we're, and the Redskins are nowhere near the level of a Green Bay Packers organization or a Pittsburgh Steelers where they are really growing their talent from within. But there's been some positives there. And if you look at the positive on this team, it's the defensive line for sure. And I think there's some scheme issues there. And maybe if the Redskins switch to a 4-3 defense, it would be better suited for the team they have. But again, it's not our job to manage the team and run the team. It's our job to be fans. Everybody can have an opinion. But calling for the termination of employment for someone that may or may not be the source of the problem is really beyond the scope of our responsibility. Sure, we can express frustration. Sure, we can have an attitude back to the team for not winning. But remember, everybody, it goes back to the record on the field. Seven and nine, two years in a row. Eight and seven and one. Nine and seven, stuck in the middle. And maybe stuck in the middle 
means that the regime needs to change. I don't know. That's not my decision. That's Dan Snyder's decision. And I think we, uh, if you look at the Twitter timelines of some of the Redskins folks, Redskins fan bases, Redskins uh, media folks, you'll see that you would think the Redskins are literally haven't won a game in, game in five years based on the reactions from the fan base. It's really, truly overreaction. So no matter how frustrated you are with Bruce Allen, remember that Bruce Allen's not the big problem. It's Dan Snyder and his ability to own the team effectively and run it effectively and create a culture of winning. And right now we have a culture of mediocrity with the Redskins. And that's not going to change as long as Dan Snyder's the owner or as long as Dan Snyder brings in somebody that can change that culture. But so far, they're an average team and they're no worse than that. So let's not go go over our heads, get over our heads and, and worry about the team being the worst in the league. So anyway, I wanted to get that off my chest. It's just my opinion from an everyday practical dad point of view, everyday fan point of view, a fan from a distance, as I mentioned. But in any event, it's my opinion. You, you don't have to agree with me. I may be wrong. It's just what I feel. Anyway, shifting topics really quickly to wrap up the first podcast here. I wanted to talk a little bit about the media and some of the reports that have come out recently about Trump and how the FBI investigated whether he was actually working for Putin or working for Trump, working for Russia. Um, and if he was acting as an agent, acting as a spy, um, I think it was the New York times that broke that story originally. And, uh, truly crazy, right? I mean, if, if you're a United States citizen that pays any tangential attention to government and politics and, and what you vote for, to think that the United States, the president of the United States, uh, may be acting against the entrance of the United States is truly something that is unfathomable. Never in the history of our country has that ever happened. <clears throat> and my point I want to make is, and then I'm not saying whether the report is true or not. I'm not saying any of that because the report is simply saying that they were going to investigate whether he was or not, not saying that Trump was actually doing it. Um, but think about this for, for a second. A United States media publication actually reported to the world that the Federal Bureau of Investigation of the United States of America was investigating their own president. Think about what that message says to the entire world community. Unbelievable. So my message, honestly, is to the New York Times and to any media outlet that's reporting this information. You better damn well sure be sure that's true. Because that is a story of all stories. Because that is unfathomable. And I think... Um, my concern is the kind of negative disposition the media generally has towards conservative politicians or Republicans or um, certainly the Trump administration and Donald Trump himself. I feel like there's some level of personal vendetta against this man for whatever reason. Not saying again, not saying the report's not true. I'm just saying I'm hoping that the media recognizes the power they have and they need to be above the fray in this. They really do. 
And I'm not talking about fake media, and I hate that term fake, but it's become just the natural discourse of our discussions. Fake media, meaning they pretend that they're news organizations, but they're really not news organizations. They're really entertainment organizations that deal in news stories and then present a lot of opinion around them. That's not media. That's entertainment. So media would to me would be newspapers um, and any individual that's simply straight reporting the news and, new, and reporting the facts. There are very few of those folks left, unfortunately. But if you're, a, if you're a American newspaper, you're still part of the media. The Washington Post, the New York Times, the LA Times, San Francisco Chronicle, all of the big ones. You're the media. You're still the media. Okay. CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, that's not media. Okay. That's not media. Sorry. That's, 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 um, <clears throat> that's entertainment. That's news entertainment at its finest, right? It's a little bit like WWE style. Um, it's very much opinion broadcasting. It's very much, um, I, it's not even, I can't even use the term biased because it's not biased. Of course it's biased. It's one-sided, right? You know, Fox News, you know, clearly dabbles in the conservative point of view, and they have for many, many, many years. They still have a couple of independent broadcasters, Chris Wallace, Brett Baer. They do a great job, honestly. And I would even classify them as, as more members of the media than anybody else on that channel. <clears throat> CNN is, is completely the opposite. You know, they have gone the other way as far as um, the liberal broadcasting, and they don't even have one hour of programming, I think, on that network that uh, even reports a conservative point of view anymore. So, so it's completely gone to the left. Fox News is, I would say, 80% to the right. CNN, 100% to the left. MSNBC, I don't even know what they're doing, but I'm pretty sure it's 100% to the left as well. My point is nobody's down the middle on any of those networks except for Bear and Wallace, and they're not news. It's not news media anymore. That is simply news entertainment. Um, so I can't even trust anything you hear on those networks, unfortunately, as a result. Set maybe Fox News Sunday and the special report with Brett, Hare, Brett Bear. Outside of that, um, you know, if you're talking about a newspaper reporting a story like potential treasonous activity by the President of the United States, the, those media sources need to have an understanding that they are and have to be above the, above the fray. The United States Constitution depends on the media being above the, above the fray to report accurate information to the American people, not biased, one-sided viewpoints and opinions. Accurate facts, especially if it involves potential treasonous activity against the United States president. Because I guarantee you the rest of the world read that story as well. And again, not saying if it's true or not, just the mere fact of reporting that story, you better hope your sources are accurate that that was going on. Because that's a hell of a thing to say. In any event, we'll see. Trump's a little bit like Teflon. Things seem to slide right off of him. Um, you know, I think no matter what you think of the guy personally, a lot of people have a personal opinion about him that have never met the guy personally, so it's very hard to do that. And I've certainly never met Donald Trump personally. So I don't know the man. <clears throat> All I know is what I see on TV and read about. Um, you know, I, I, I think it really doesn't matter. I think 
the point of this story is, or the point of this, this argument is, the story is bigger than the person. You're talking about the office of the president of the United States being questioned by its own Federal Bureau of Investigation. That's a big story. You know, you go back to Watergate and Richard Nixon, and that was before I was born, but I've certainly read about it and watched a lot about it. And you've got, uh, when your government starts investigating its own government, it's, it's, a, it's a major issue. And um, I think it's, we need to tread lightly with that. And we need to really understand, and the media really needs to understand its power here and its role. And I hope that they do. I trust that they do. And I think that the head honchos at these media sort outlets know what they're doing. Anyway, that's what I wanted to talk about today on today's Everyday Dad, Practical Dad podcast. Uh, it's been fun talking with you. We'll talk, about, we'll talk a little bit more soon. I've got a lot more to talk about. I can't wait to talk a little bit more about the Redskins and some more feelings there. And a little bit more about California. Uh, it's got its new governor, Gavin Newsom. Uh, hit the ground running in his first week. Did a lot. Um, a lot of Californians don't pay attention to their own government, though. I'll tell you that right now. They don't pay attention. So there's a lot that goes under the radar in California. And uh, um, it's, it's kind of fascinating to me. Uh, Gavin Newsom getting elected governor. I'll tell you right now, it was a foregone conclusion it was going to happen because people don't pay attention out here. All they do is vote for the name. So it's very interesting. And uh, he got elected, no surprise to anybody. And uh, now he's going to be governor for the next four years. And um, we'll see what he does. He's going to be interesting. Talk a little bit about Senator Kamala Harris, former attorney general here in California, now a senator from California and likely and probable presidential candidate in 2020, ironically. Amazing how someone can come from nowhere to become president of the United States. I'll tell you right now, Kamala Harris, tough as nails. Seems real tough as nails. Also seems extremely condescending and conceited at, at times. And maybe has some likability issues. I don't know. Sound like someone from 08? Interesting. We'll talk more. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you.